It is August 17th, 2020. This is Atlanta United FC Weekly, a home before dark podcast. Kevin doesn't have his whistle, and I'm very disappointed. But as always, I'm Tim Herb, wah, wah. joined by my lovely co-host. I got Kevin in the Brady Bunch square on the bottom left. Got Dan. I did it that time. Oh. To the right. And we got our buddy Josh Bagransky of Mouse of the South podcast joining us. Good to be with thanks you guys. For, yeah, thanks for hopping in. Yeah. Being my, my orange brethren. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are matching. That was not planned. Yeah. As far as I know, at least. <laughs> yeah, we are very much um, trying. I'm disappointed. To... No one told me we were wearing orange yeah. tonight. Yeah, very much oh, just yeah. trying to bug people's cameras out or their their uh, their monitors yeah, I... out. <laughs> just trying to be as harsh on the eyes as possible. That's exactly. Tonight. Well, I'm already on. If I, I figure if people have to see my face, I might as well just go all in on the harshness on the eyes. Yeah, you know. So we're already going down that route. Stick with it. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that's that's right. That's right. Thank you guys for being with us. Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, what what have you, leave us a rating and or a review. We will read it live on the show. If you guys are watching us on YouTube live, thank you for joining us. Uh, we got Elliot Beaven in the trap so far. Yeah, show's two weeks in the making. Had some stuff come up last week, so we weren't able to do it last minute. So, But it's, uh, it's good to be back. Dan, you got your strawberries and uh, concrete on? I do. Yeah, nice. It's like the weirdest fitting jersey I've ever worn in my life. Yeah, it's, it's not great. Snug around the midriff. Yeah, but then it's like it's tent size, like our uh, dress length. Like I yeah. feel like it comes down to my thighs. Yeah, I have the uh, rather emasculating body shape of it. it's nice and baggy in the shoulders, but around <laughs> the waist it is snug. Yeah, that's like it like. brings back the old days of the tall tee, or you could wear it to bed. You could wear yeah. it. Yeah, you could wear it to sleep. Yeah. Soccer jerseys are really difficult, man. They're re- yeah, it's yeah. a really difficult buy. I mean, some of them fit smaller, some larger, and and just see they're they're made to fit fit men, you know. And so uh, I certainly don't fit into that category. I seems you don't either, Dan. And uh, it's tough, man. It's tough. I st- I'll still wear them. Tim, you fit pretty nicely into yours, though. You can only see me from like nipples uh, nipples <laughs> up, though. So that is, yeah. <laughs> that's why. It's uh, yeah. It's definitely like a crapshoot. It's like a big roll of the dice getting a soccer jersey. It's you, you have no idea because like, we did the uh, promotion with the way days. Uh, I mean, we were doing all the mystery yeah. kits, and I got a couple of those. And man, they yeah, it's it's weird. Like that that Rangers Puma kit. Yeah, does not fit. That fits it like is. shit. <laughs> like I already have such a horrible time fitting into t-shirts as it is. And then you throw into like throw into the mix. Sometimes they're short, sometimes they're long. If you get them from eBay, who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's t- the Pumas are, are always tough. Anytime I see Puma, I'm like, oh god, I might have to get it, go go with a size larger than usual. But yeah, then it comes yeah. and it's big. You know, I don't. It's 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 tough. I, I'm with y'all. It's tough. I just don't know how the home and away kit with the strawberries and concrete were so drastically different in fitting the exact same year. 
mm-hmm. with the exact yeah, same so sponsor. Annoying. Like, it, yeah, I have no idea how that happens. They're from uh, Adidas. They're sold by Fanatics. Like, it's the exact same. Like, exactly. You ha- what do you just have? Like, two different plants making the same, or two different factories making different jerseys? Maybe it has something to do because you know the concretes have the stripes on the side. So it's a completely different manufacturing process to the regular ones with the stripes on the shoulders. Maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah, I, I, I got served up an ad the other day. Speaking of t-shirts and night shirts, have you guys seen this? Have you guys been served this up? Or do I just have a, like a weird browsing uh, history uh, where I got served up a onesie polo? Is a nope. polo shirt that goes... To the crotch, it's like it's like a speedo mixed with a polo, and then it has a little wow. patch at the bottom. It's will like they if you do want to be- custom. Will they do? <laughs> no, custom, I have not. Yeah, I was gonna say, will they do custom logos and stuff? I think instead of scarves next year, oh. we'll do those. <laughs> oh, we just be do home before dark polo <laughs> onesies. <laughs> it's for the guy who wants to dress up in a polo, tuck yeah. it into his pants, but not have to yeah. worry about underwear. But we're definitely doing skin toned. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> or the pepperoni pizza print. I'm, what what is your internet history to have this coming up? First of all, oh. do a skin tone polo onesie with just the red, <laughs> just a red collar. Everything else is skin tone below the collar. That's what's oh, so scary nice. about about <laughs> Google ads and like Facebook ads and all that stuff is like they're so good at their algorithm that I wasn't searching anything remotely close, but it was this, 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 and then. But they knew what you wanted. Oh, they, they got what you They always get you. He wants polo onesie, <laughs> which is almost as good as a sleeveless polo, right? Yeah. Yeah. Go cut off polo. Uh, Guys, we have soccer on Saturday. I'm yes. so excited. Uh, it's going to be weird. At the Benz, nobody there playing against Nashville, coming off of four points in two games. It's the most most points a team from the South has gotten in a while. Yeah. Well, it fire. seems – it seems encouraging with the comments that Bradley Zan made um, in talking to Stephen Glass with them having some direction on the field. So I'm hoping that we're going to see some improvement just in terms of the chemistry between the guys than, than what we saw last time we were out on the field. Was that a pot shot taken at Frank DeBoer having Probably. direction on the field? Yeah. Didn't didn't Cole Beckerman do the same thing to Jurgen Klinsmann after um, Jurgen left the USMNT job? It's like something like we we got off the bus and we never knew what we were doing. Yeah, he did sub talk him a little bit for sure. Just talking mm-hmm. about uh, having a direction and he mentioned everyone know knowing their role and what to do and how that was clearly not the case. You know, anyone could see that in Orlando. I mean, it's hard not to see that as a as a shot of Frank DeBoer, especially especially when you mix that with the press conference that he had in Orlando after the final match where it seemed like, you know, you saw a furious uh, Brad Guzan, I think, again, kind of talking about a lack of cohesion under Frank DeBoer. So I think there's no question that uh, th- at least part of that is, is, is assessing the failures of uh, the DeBoer regime for sure. I just like yeah. to compliment Dan on drinking his Coke Zero out of his martini glass tonight. <laughs> <laughs> is that what that is? <laughs> Wait, I didn't Whoa, oh, Josh! You got your <laughs> Josh. Josh, you were looking scary. You got your green screen like background thing on. Yeah, I noticed when I got close to like the camera. Getting patching up. Yes, I don't. I don't know what that's about. I think you just need to spend the rest of the time being very close to the camera. 
<laughs> yeah, that'll be good for everybody. Yeah, everyone will enjoy that. Interesting. Oh. So, Josh, I had a question for you. With Stephen Glass coming in and hopefully giving the team some direction, is do you see any sort of advice solution to the pity Barco conundrum that we've that was kind of going on under Frank with them with them both not really knowing what to do and getting in each other's way? Yeah, I mean, a lot. Oof, it's a tough one. I mean, it's. I'm sure. I know you guys have talked about this a lot. How they're kind of a similar type of player in attack. So it, they definitely were on top of each other at times. But I always felt it had more to do with a, a lack of balance in the midfield that was able to kind of provide them service in uh, in areas where they could be dangerous. So I, I almost think that the solution is more about adding a third center midfielder uh, as opposed to what Frank DeBoer was do, doing with that three four three where you can build out of the back a little bit more effectively and find them in areas where they're already dangerous. Because that for me, for me, that was the big problem was you saw PT and Barco forced to come all the way back in the midfield, even in the d- defensive half, to drive the team forward. And so naturally they, they kind of were on top of each other a bit. So, I mean, I'm hoping that the, the solutions elsewhere will help that kind of fix its problem, fix, fix itself on its own. Interesting. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so too. Well, I mean, what, did you, what do you guys think? I mean, like, because honestly, we're all just kind of – we, we don't really know what to expect. I mean, I, I'm certainly hoping they play a little bit more freedom, a little less restriction, but I, I don't even know what to look for in terms of what specifically needs to look different uh, other than the obvious need to play better. But from like a coaching standpoint, what specifically has to happen differently under glass that didn't under Frank DeBoer? I, it, we don't really know yet. So I, it's going to be interesting. My whole, I don't know. My whole theory is because Frank – you know, because he was from Ajax and all his success was in Ajax with Ajax players were because they were coming up from the academy. So they already had this idea of trying to think for themselves first on the field to solve their problems. And I just don't think that was ever – I mean, if 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 that is what you are trying to do, um, you've got to have really good communication <laughs> between the coaching staff yeah. and the players. And that evidently never happened. So – I'm hoping if Glass can kind of move away from that and just provide some sort of structure that kind of gives specific direction to players, then and also getting input from the players, so it's a it's a two way street in terms of uh, the communication that that will help solve some of the player some of the frustrations that the players were having because I think a lot of that frustration um, came back onto the pitch. Uh, in terms of of how we were just trying to play, how much of it is less? Well, all right, I don't know. So we have a. I was just going to say we have a couple things in the comments in the trap. I just want to call people out. Obviously, uh, Richard Gordon, Dean Worley, Brandon Scott, Brittany S, Mike German, German, Furman, German, uh, Mike German. Um, and Brian. And so Elliot Beaven says, uh, what is Glass's style of play? And I don't know how much it really matters necessarily. Right. Like I don't, you're talking about like what to expect from, from the play or what we expect to be different or what should be different to be successful. And I, I don't know about that, but I, I think one thing that we can probably look forward to is maybe having a little more creativity or a little more, a little less restraint in the midfield maybe. And that might open things up a little bit. Like what we saw with um, 
you know, between Mo Adams and Emerson Hyndman, like I, I felt like they were a little restricted in the, in their play. Right. I mean, I, they both were kind of flat at times in the midfield, but I mean, with, with glass coming in saying he's going to be playing more aggressive, going to be playing more attacking um, to kind of fit the mold of what Darren Eels and Boca Negra want. I mean, I, I would imagine that we're going to see a lot more, uh, a lot more aggression, a lot more, chance taking from that that center midfield uh too it, who's the third josh if, if you're thinking a center three yeah it's not a it's not a a great selection to choose from i mean i, I think obviously Heinemann has to be in there he's probably your most dynamic box to box uh and for me i mean i think you you could either you could probably pair lorento and rometty and play kind of a two hold two holding midfield system uh and again, I think that would help you build out of the back a little easier, which I'm assuming, you know, the good thing for Stephen Glass is, you know, it's already probably been made clear that he's not going to be the long-term solution. So he doesn't have to come in and try to implement some system or philosophy. He can kind of just, you know, play a, you know, 4-3-3, which isn't too different from too different from what DeBoer was doing, and, uh, and, and just have the players enjoy themselves more. And that's the main thing I'm worried about is, or not worried about, but I'm looking at is, you know, looking going back to those Guzan quotes, there was so much about uh, the players just interacting with uh, with the boar, and I think all these—I'm uh, sorry, not with the boar, with glass—and I just think that the connection uh, is going to see them play with a little bit more freedom. Not necessarily a totally different system or anything, uh, but the fact that, he, like I said, he doesn't have to completely overhaul the way the team plays, just allow them to enjoy themselves a little bit more and express themselves a little bit more. And I, that's all he has to really do. I mean, the, the, you're, it's going to be the same group of players, and so I think all these, a lot of these issues, like with the midfield being flat, or uh, what you were saying, Dan, with with, with uh, Barco and PT, will be solved hopefully in a lot of ways just by the players enjoying themselves more uh, and enjoying training every day. What are you looking forward to seeing, Kevin? What do you What are you hoping to see on Saturday whenever we take the field? Um. It's the same questions, right? And I stand by the fact I don't think the new manager is just going to all of a sudden have all of those answers. I still don't think this team knows who or how they're supposed to be scoring. And maybe that comes by better link-up play and players having more fun. But at the same time, like, I don't know if that necessarily solves all of the problems, right? So what I'd like to see is at least defensively, Atlanta maintain some semblance of what it was. Uh, last year and the beginning of this season, what little bit we got to see um, kind of want to throw the whole tournament out uh, as a wash, but defensively speaking, I expect to see, you know, a lot of the same with Guzan out the back Mesa and miles Robinson sort of anchoring that defensive line and being really comfortable possessing the ball in the backfield. But basically from the midfield forward, it's anybody's guess what we see or who we see there. Um, Again, the big question mark is who's going to score. And right now, I don't think anybody, including Glass, knows what that answer is. Not even the players, it seems like, because even under Frank, regardless of what tactic or approach you're doing, you've still got two very capable players at the top of the field that are that seem reluctant to take strikes or put them on target when when given the opportunity so yeah it's funny all the drama and all everything that's happened you almost forget that Joseph Martinez is out for the season you know right. so almost no matter what we go through or you know that's that's gonna be a huge huge problem right and right. uh how do you figure that out I don't think any like you said I don't think uh Glassy knows either 
Yeah. And, and I think yeah. that what, what I hope to see, I guess, and it's not even this Saturday, like this Saturday, I don't have any expectations. I guess my expectations for the rest of the season would be because this team knows that they're in a state of flux and that nothing is permanent coming out of this season. The most beneficial thing would be to see the most looks for the talent that you have on the roster. So I'd like to see, are they maintaining the five substitutions? in the back half of the season do we know they are yeah so i want to see all five substitutions used every single game i want to see as many different rotating starting 11s over the the course of whatever season we have left to see what kubo torres does in this lineup you know who joseto is in this lineup what castro looks like uh, given you know a run of games and whether pity really is at fault for this, what's it look like with him in the lineup? What's it look like with him out of the lineup? I think these are all things that are on the table right now for the team to really evaluate and figure out from a personnel standpoint from top to bottom um, going forward. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to, to see Castro Rosetto um, actually have some time to play. I, I'm really interested to see what Dan brings to see what, he has at this point in his career um he everyone talks about he's just like lightning quick and the fastest guy but i i hope that still is the case um but yeah i think having that speed is going to be great it just depends on how quickly he can get up to speed because i mean he can be the guy can really help bust a bunker yeah absolutely and one of the things that really in Orlando was was in the in the tournament was you, you could see that there was no one that could ever get in behind the defense you know and maybe every now and then it would be your wing backs getting forward but so it wasn't it, it made it easy to defend you know the defense could just converge on Barco and PT as we've you know discussed quite a bit at this point but that's easy to do when you don't have another one another one that's a threat to run in behind so obviously that's been Tito Vijalba quite a bit in the past uh, and Joseph Martinez as well so so Dam will finally give you a player on the roster that can do that and at the least, just open up space for others to play in an attack. So right. Mike German poses a, a good question in the trap, and this is one that I was actually going to pose to you guys. I don't know. This is an interesting lineup because you could see, let's say you're, you're, you're operating probably, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're probably going to be operating, you know, in a 4-3-3, but more of a 4-2-1-3, right? Or 4-2-1-2-1, if you want to call it that, with Kubo Torres up probably forward to attacking, let's call them wingers behind him, a, an attacking midfielder, center midfielder, like more offensive and uh, behind them. And then kind of two anchors in front of the four. Um, could you see Emerson Hyndman and Lorena Witz maybe playing those deep lying roles, maybe put Barco in at, um, at attacking mid and then have Jurgen Dam on one side, PD on one side and then Kuba Torres up on one side or not on one side on the top. Like, I will funny, say, I will say out of all of here. that, because there's a lot of math and a lot of numbers. I think the one thing out of all of that. And the one thing that I would bargain is the most consistent play out of pity is with him over in that wing position, him, him in center midfield. I have just not, not enjoyed seeing as much, which is what Dan's got drawn up as well. So I think so, I want to put pity out on the wing. I think Barco yeah, is going to agree. Be- better centrally because agreed because he's more of a dribbler i know it's going to kind of morph around anyway and barco's more of a box-to-box player too which you want to see more centrally right but if if you've got heinman heinman there then he can kind of help out 
Rometty who can drop back, or Rometty or Jeff who can drop back into the middle of the center three, while these boys, uh, uh, Bello and either Escobar or Lennon, are bombing up forward. Um, and then you've still, I'd push Barker upfield. I keep on, I'd want him to keep on getting there and Lion Hyman yeah. to be that guy who can push it back and forth. Right. But either way, you've got both of them because it's the same thing with like your back four, right? It's the rotation back and forth on the field. If Escobar goes up, Bello almost has to drop back and vice versa. So it's the same thing with Barco and Heinemann. You want a player that's going to be there that you can depend on. If Heinemann's pushing up, that Barco is there to support, but has also got the pace and, and defensive playmaking ability to track back if he needs to and vice versa. My worry is that Bello isn't going to be great at tracking back that um i mean i know we saw that um one or two games in orlando where he just wasn't there and maybe yeah. he's just better if he just pushes up the field and you know um maybe Mesa just takes on a better role or remedy or you put jeff in in there instead of remedy and then he yeah. can do better with dropping back dan are you worried a little bit about the defensive side of that lineup you know like in some way i mean it's really like that midfield three is kind of the the crux of, of absolutely Glass's decision. And obviously if you play Barco there, that's an ex and Heinemann, that's an extremely attacking look uh, through the center of the field. Uh, you know, you could run into some same problems you ran into uh, that we saw in Moses back with a lack of balance. So yep. mm -hmm. it's it, just a it, lack of a midfield in general, because it's way too far forward. And, and then you've got your defense I'm, in the I'm back. Nothing in the midfield. I would what? love to see that, but I, you know, like it's interesting because we've, I feel like in a lot of ways, we consistently, when we make lineups, we put Barco in that spot because that allows PT, Dom, and then a proper number nine to play. Uh, and we've almost done similar things in the years before because it allows, you know, Miguel Almiron, uh, mm -hmm. Joseph Martin Martinez, Tito Vijalba all to play at once. But for wh whatever reason, two managers have, have not played Barco really in, in, a, in a center midfield role. He's played yeah. underneath as like a second striker and like a 3-5-2 or whatnot. Uh, but there's a little more, uh, certainly a little more discipline to that role. So I, I want to see it too, Dan. I, I love it. And, I, and, and to build off what Kevin said earlier, you, you, you kind of want to see the manager try things at this point, you know, see what right. you can do, play everyone. Right. And certainly that's something that I feel like has been begging to be tried. Play Barco a little bit deeper by design and, uh, and see what happens. Might, might as well at this point. Well, and that's what's going to like... go ahead. Oh, okay. So yeah, under Tata, because we had Almer on, and I just never thought that Barco was going to really unlock any of his real true potential with Almer on in the lineup because we were all totally built around Almer on. Yeah. And yeah. it was kind of either you play one or the other, um, though they both played on the field at the same time, but Barco never really got like enough uh, full games under totally his under Tata. Yeah. So they're both kind of, guys I mean, who kind of have to run the attack through and they play differently. Yeah. But I mean, the lineup I just put, I mean, Heinemann's got to be that pivot who can track back. Um, so there is like, that's, it's going to be like the defensive transition. How, how do we, uh, how do the players react to that defensive transition? Mm -hmm. You're definitely asking for a Nagby-esque contribution uh, from Heinemann there. Right. right. And, well, and that was going to be my question. And again, goes back to you're going to see a lot of rotations. You know, you could easily, not easily, you could potentially see Joseto in that role too, right? I mean, he was mm -hmm. doing that very yeah. early on in the season over Heinemann. So back to the same point, I want to see a lot of different rotations, a lot of different looks. And I think that's going to ultimately be the 
biggest asset going into next season as a manager that has a lot of different source material to look at and see, okay, these guys work really well together. This grouping, this formation works really well together. You know, all of those sorts of parts and pieces to try to come up with a tactic that's best suited for the players yeah. on the roster. And I think so much of it has to do, it almost starts with how you select that midfield three. If mm-hmm. you pick a more kind of conventional uh, with Heinemann as the highest of the mm-hmm. three center mids, you're going to be a little more defensive. Or, you know, Dan, certainly you you present the most kind of attacking, probably aesthetically pleasing uh, lineup, and that's with Barco playing in the middle. So <laughs> I mean, whatever happens, it's all going to be determined based on the what happens down the spine in the midfield. You know, what's what's kind of crazy to think about is that the team almost run, it's, it's going to be really interesting because, again, we kind of take it for granted that Joseph's always been there. and He's not going to be there for the rest of this year. And so we're talking about getting all of these looks and, and seeing what these players all look like because of the situation that they're given right now. But how does any of the benefit or any of those groupings or any of that style of play fit in whenever you've got a, you know, golden boot winner returning next year and trying to figure out how that style of play fits into that lineup too, you know? I I think that we should treat this season, the rest of it, whatever it is, like a season of last chance you. Like we should (laughs) just go out there, let just let the guys, like the guys that are trying to get to Europe. Who cares? Like get that yeah. D one contract. Just let like let them go ball out of control. I mean, obviously, I mean I say that in jest, but I mean it in some ways. I kind of just feel like we should unleash the shackles. We have all this attacking so talent. Yeah, I feel like it feels like we've had so much pent up potential in the attack that has just I, I felt like has gone underutilized or unutilized. Um, <laughs> And this is totally speculating, but I feel like the players who have felt a bit shackled, that change will see them perform very well. Uh, or at least they fu- they fucking better because yeah. that's been that's been the big like that's that's where I'm coming from. It's like, all right, well, you can't fall back on the manager anymore. So yeah. if you're not performing now, it's on you, Bucko. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I almost feel like we're gonna see like a Dave Sarek in USMNT type uh, run. Like I hope so, anyway. Granted, we weren't playing the best talent. He, yeah. he knew he was only the interim manager. Glass knows he's only the interim manager. He really should only be there to not try and put his stamp there, you know, lay down a foundation or anything around himself. It should be about maximizing the players and trying to fit the system or fit uh, his play style to the, to the talent he has around him as opposed to a long-term manager who's, you know, for better or worse, going to come in and try to put their own foundation in place, try and stick to their formation you know, however much they try to, like Frank DeBoer being stubborn, but this is a time for the players to really shine because it's going to be, I think, a, a very fluid situation with a with an interim manager that has no. I, I don't think he has any illusions whatsoever about uh, about what's going on, and I think it's just going to be a matter of putting those people in the right places and just kind of yeah. just letting them play. It's really on the players to perform. You know, just put them put them in a position to succeed. It's there's a good amount of attacking talent. Just throw, you know, why not play Barco at, you know, in the middle every now, you know, and see what happens. And even if you don't play Barco there, play those front three with freedom and let them, you know, roam wherever they like. Uh, you know, that, that's what I want to see, too. It's just a team that looks like the shackles have come off and they still might not score goals, but at least it'll be fun to watch. And like you guys said, it will help guys like PT and Barco and others make a case to move on to Europe, which is really the selling point for Atlanta United in the first place is 
if you come to us, we can move you on to, to the big leagues. Yeah. Well, if Barco's value is going to increase, I mean, he's got to, he's got to be, have those opportunities to, to take shots and be able to score those goals, at least put up like double numbers for goals and assists. Yeah. And surely his value has dropped, right? I mean, he's yeah, played yeah. so few matches. Obviously the pandemic brings the market down anyway. I mean, he, he's a player that uh, whether he gets sold or not uh, in the off season, he can really, his value can really go one way or the other uh, throughout the rest of the MLS season. Mm-hmm. You think about the speed on this team that we could potentially have on the field. I think that's one of the more exciting things to me. If you look at Jurgen Dam, yeah. Bello, uh, put in Brooks Lennon. Like you're talking about a lot of speed. At Barco too. I mean, you're talking about a lot of speed in this lineup that could definitely, definitely it, cause some issues. It can on a counter, but again, it goes back to what Josh was saying before: is that like it takes a lot of discipline too. Whenever you've got a lot of fast players that are all wanting to press up and it leaves a massive hole in the midfield for a quick counter the other way. And they're just having to pace back to try to recover. Um, you open yourself up on the other side of the ball. I mean, luckily we're kind of anchored defensively with a couple of backs that, that have been really consistent, at least so far this year. Um, and miles Robinson off of last year, obviously, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it is a lot of pace, but it, <laughs> It's the whole Spider-Man quote, right? With great power comes great responsibility. So it's it's got to be mitigated with some sense of responsibility wow. and um, patience too. So well, is that sure. where you play Jeff Lorenowitz and you you yeah. tell him essentially to be Absolutely. to be more of a or Rometty? You know, yeah, 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 exactly. And 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 Dan's kind of got that anchored for, to the same effect in, in his lineup, where you have to have somebody that's kind of that holding midfielder in a way uh, behind whatever pace that you're putting up past midfield so well that's what when we were playing not in the playoffs but when we were playing just regularly under tata we we would be those team that team that could swarm up and then swarm back down the field and we you know we would live and die by that hammer right. guys we could get back to defend and then we right. had michael parkhurst right but but then is you, a lot more mobile, so. right and i don't want to give up i don't want to give up that comfort that we have on the t- defensive side of the ball just because we have players with pace that can track forward and backward right like i, I want to yeah. maintain that defensive side of things and find a way to anchor that midfield with some stability while still taking full advantage of players that are able uh to run with pace on a quick break or or have a route on, on the outside to get the ball forward yeah my hope is that with dom in the lineup now you have someone you know, I think, you know, Tim brings up that Barco is fast, and he is. But to me, he's a little faster on the ball. He's not someone that's, like, making runs in behind a lot. No, yeah. And so you, it was almost like Bello and Lennon were tasked to do that. Your, your two fullbacks were the ones that were tasked to run in behind. So, obviously, they were getting caught forward all the time. So my hope is that, you know, so you don't have to sacrifice that defensive uh, part of your game, that now you have a player on the front three who can make runs in behind as, a, as opposed to the left and right back. Um, at the same time, we don't know if he's going to be in the 11, you know, so there's a lot of questions that need to be answered, but that's my hope is that he'll bring, you know, because that was just so obvious in Orlando. We just didn't have anyone to get in behind. And the yeah. two players that could were Brooks Lennon and George Bello, your left and right backs. And they were the ones who were always getting caught right. high and getting countered. Right. Right. And again, it's kind of like you, 
Castro, I don't think got a fair shake. He gets one. He gets one showing. It, it, granted, it wasn't poor showing, right? Yeah. I mean, same same effect. Yeah. You could say the same thing about <laughs> yeah, and you could say the same thing about Mulraney, right? Like you yeah. can put that game on him, and ultimately, you have a poor performance by two players that costs you two games in a three game tournament <laughs> for what Atlanta had a chance to actually play in. So, um, yeah, I, I think all of these players need to get their fair shake at this point. So. Yeah, I think so. This was kind of one thing I've been struggling with for a while. And Mike Gurman brings it up in the chat. If we go to a back four, who loses out a right back? Is Escobar or Lennon? And I think uh, in terms of seniority right now, Escobar has that position. I think it's definitely Escobar. Up. I mean, I think but, he's a very, very good right back. But just know? think, like, when he's on his yellow card, which seems to happen a lot, Lennon's a excellent sub that you can bring in right Absolutely. away who's going to bring so much pace especially if you bring even if you're bringing him in the 70th minute he's got so exactly. much energy he can just burn up the, the right and again five. whenever you've got five substitutions in a game there's no reason why that shouldn't be taking place and, yeah. and what it does tactically and this is something atlanta did last year and for whatever reason they couldn't this year but they could you know he could come on and you can change the shape right there you know say if jeff Lerenowitz is your holding mid he could drop in and play with the two center backs, and then suddenly, uh, you know, Lennon comes for Escobar, and he and Bella become wing backs. You know, when you change the shape, so right. it's it's a huge, yeah, it's a huge, I think, uh, advantage for sure. But in terms of who loses out, it's got to be Lennon, right? I mean, Escobar, yeah, has just been so so good in that position. Oh, he's a beast. He runs so slowly, but he just has so much speed. If that makes any sense. <laughs> no, it's he's like whenever they. They always do that, like fastest players in the Premier League list, and it's always it's all center. It's like ten center backs, yeah, because of how big they are and how much ground they cover. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. especially it's like, playoff Escobar. Oh, playoff Escobar! Yeah. I can't wait. It, can't wait to one day see him. A completely again. different beast. So we we talked about this, I think, two weeks ago in terms of seeing youth, like maybe getting to see some of that development throughout the rest of the season. Like, are you guys is is Efren Morales going to factor in at all into the twenty whatever it is twenty man twenty three man uh, rotation between Efren Morales and then uh, we, we're not going to recall Andrew Carlton. I can't imagine, right? Even though he's balling pretty well for Indy right now. Um, I feel I feel like it would be somebody. There would be somebody maybe close to the same age as him that's a little ahead in the pecking order. Like I know that he's been out of the. Uh, the uh, the fold recently, but Jackson Conway or a player like that uh, to get called, and I just feel like you know just being signed. Uh, I I would I would love again play young guys go into the uh, second team, but maybe someone who's been there a little bit longer. Uh, and like I said, Jackson Conway, someone that comes to mind, especially because you need to score goals, and uh, yeah. he's at least someone that can fill that role and, and see how he does. Is Tyler Wolf or Tyler Wolf of that same ilk? Like he's he's, he's, he's <laughs> Wolf. Yeah, but he's yeah yeah I think so. I mean, I look at some of the other ones. Like I think like uh, I mean, you're going really young, but Caleb Wiley is look pretty good. Um, I mean, there are there are quite a few guys. I think it's hard to say. You know, it's not like I've watched them really closely, but there are mm-hmm. guys similar to Morales in age and have come through the academy, but they've played professional soccer for a little bit longer, having just gotten more appearances with the USL team. And certainly uh, now that Tony Annan uh, coaching the twos having you know seeing a lot of these guys throughout their development as young players i think would be uh very very open to moving them to the first team whenever necessary i think 
I mean, I'm happy to give uh, these guys opportunities um, in the right situation, but I'd be surprised if we saw Morales in the team. I thought it was more of you know how in the at the end of the first season, 2017, we signed a Conquo. I think we signed Kunga and um, Bello. Yeah, but it was more of like. Um, keep away move like they were starting to attract interest so we were like okay well let's give them a pro contract so we can lock them in uh but they they never featured for the team until bello when did bello feature was it 2018 was 19 yeah he played the game against dc united where he scored the goal so that was eight that was 2018 right right so i'd be surprised if he if he starts a game this season me too. Well, I, I mean, right. I, I don't expect him to start a game or anything like that. I'm excited because you, you bring up a Conquo and you bring up Lagos Kunga, Kunga squad, and then Bello. I think the reason we've seen Bello in the lineup is because he fits a pretty common need. Oh, yeah. In, absolutely. In, in, in world soccer, not even yeah. just MLS, but in, mm-hmm. you know, with your as a left back. But, um, but you know, we didn't have room for a Conquo the reason Lagos Kunga probably keeps going out on loan is because we have attacking options where, whereas Efren Morales is a big attack or a big defensive midfielder that could, you know, factor in maybe in the next year or two, I would think. Right. I mean, he fits a almost an immediate need for Lorenowitz once Lorenowitz retires, I feel like. And it's kind of exciting. I, I do, I'm just getting excited about it because sure. he seems like a big yeah. imposing presence. He's 17 years old. He's, uh, he definitely seems like he's heading in the right direction to be in this team next year, maybe. Mm-hmm. And and as I mean, to, again, to go back to when I mean, this is the season where you're going to see some curve. I mean, to throw some curveballs and just throw a guy out there like that, and, and especially with nine teams making the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, so everyone's making the playoffs. So you, um, I, I I don't know that it's going to be Morales. Although you bring up an interesting point in terms of the role that he fills. Uh, but I would not surprise to see at least some guys make the 18 uh, that are, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, which would be super cool. Yeah. yeah. I've had um, Longshore interviewed uh, Tony Annan, and I think they were, I think they were talking about Jackson Conway, but um, he was like Jackson Conway. They've been very sort of deliberate with his development and, because Annan was saying he's known him since he was for years, like almost 10 years. And um, they didn't want to push yeah, so that's one. Conway along. So I would be surprised if he ends up signing a pro contract with the senior team. One that I'm really looking at is, is Will Riley. You know, as far as, you know, when we're talking about young players, uh, as far and a goal scorer, uh, who is who is more? Uh, I think he has more experience. He's probably about the same as Jackson Conway, but uh, that's another one I'm looking at that uh, they've spoken of very highly of. That, uh, and again, is is pretty much a, a pure striker uh, from what I've seen uh, that could that can maybe step in and play. So there's there's a bunch of names. I mean, it's, I, I I know we're a little off topic here. I love what the twos are doing. Just playing. No you know, thing here. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Again, I you know I come from Mouse of the South. Eric, you know, he keeps us. Keeps Just us regimented. The, worst. Yeah, the absolute worst. <laughs> I don't know. I need to ask them if we can curse on the Zoom uh, 
for for mouse this he said, <laughs> he said it was okay he said it was he said it was okay he said it was absolutely okay, he said well, more swearing the better i think i think his exact words were fuck yeah okay well, I'm, going, I'm making up for lost time this week whenever we record but uh Yes, I mean it's it's it, it. I just love that they're you know just throwing young players, uh, young young players out there. I mean, and you're seeing some crazy stuff happen out there. You know, you talked about like Morales, for instance, the other night scores that goal in his debut, and it's just such a cool moment. And then makes an just atrocious defensive error. You know, about a minute later, and and it's just you love that. You know, experiences like that are so important for young players, and there's a clear commitment you know, on the second team, whether these guys get called up or not to get professional mm-hmm. minutes for 16, 17 year old kids. And uh, I, this year you can really see the commitment to that. And that's huge. Even if these guys don't come to the first team, that's just good for development of American players and, and local players at that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I feel like that's exciting to see the USL team being treated more as a step up from the academy or as part of the academy, as opposed to a standalone USL team. Right. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like not yeah. seeing random 23, 24 year old guys that are getting brought in for a single season to fill a starting role and then be gone the next year when you could easily. I mean, we've seen guys wash out that we thought were going to be pretty great in this. It, I mean, Chris Goslin comes to mind. And yeah. It's, it felt like they were kind of caught in between both. Right. They wanted to play young guys, uh, but they were also had some older guys came in. And then also you had all the homegrown guys that were almost. I mean, some would argue stealing minutes at this point from those academy players. So I, I, I just I love that they're doing that. And uh, you're seeing some crazy stuff happen because of it, you know, like these crazy games with these wild swings. But that's what happens when you play young players and, and throw them kind of throw them out there. And, and I'm glad that they've gone all in on that this season. And the interesting thing is they've actually played better, in my opinion, uh, than, than the last two years. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, it, that's the way it should be. At least that's how I feel it should be. It, this should be a graduation of the the academy or young guys as opposed Absolutely. to. I mm-hmm. mean, this team is a, this team was never put on, or you know, <clears throat> they didn't get the franchise for it to be a uh, a USL winning team. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just well, like I would treat it like um, Real Madrid two and Barcelona B and. And yeah. that sort of thing where it's it's really just an extension of the academy and that's it. It's not like you see those teams dominating all the time, you know, even though they obviously have the money to do it if they want it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a good, it makes a lot more sense in MLS because of the salary cap, like to bring those guys in to, you know, you, you, the real value players are the guys that you can, that are not town players who have, done exceedingly well for you that you know the jeff lorenowitz is those those guys are you know that's what you are striving for to get those guys and to find them and if you can bring them in on a you know a homegrown contract what is it like 150,000 to the cap or something that's gold that is money um and those those are the guys we want to be producing but and every now and then, hopefully, you find an Alfonso Davies. Yeah, absolutely. Those are the guys you can profit the most of in the future, and they're the oh, ones yeah. who have the most control of in the short term in the salary cap. I know Julian mm-hmm. Gressel didn't come to the academy, but you know they were talking about how they're actually doing him a favor because the team could have just kind of said, you know, fuck you, and forced him to stay. Oh, absolutely. He had, he had no choice but to come back if he was going to play in MLS. He had to come back to Atlanta. So it's yeah, I I, t- I totally agree that you know if you develop three to five guys like that. Not only does it help you financially, but it all it, it 
you know, it kind of gives you some wiggle room to go make some signings elsewhere um, mm-hmm. and opens up some money. So, and so I'm really interested to see over the next couple of years, now that they're really committed to the cause, the twos, uh, who we see breakthrough and if anyone breaks through, um, because, you know, in the end, we won't really know if this project worked until we see these guys uh, get a lot of professional minutes. But I mean, the only thing you can do is play them. And so I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad they're doing that. And like I said, it's actually been really fun to watch. It's been crazy because uh, it's young players making crazy mistakes and also showing how talented they are. But uh, it's been re- it's been really fun to watch. So it's, it's a good platform for guys to break through. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So one, uh, one question I have. So Khan's doing well in Indy 11 providing a whole bunch of assists to Tyler Pasher. I love how we all know who Tyler Pasher is now. I know. I know. I, <laughs> I Googled him just to make sure he had Sharp, some affiliation yeah. to Atlanta United. What a, what a goal scorer, that Tyler <laughs> Pasher, I tell you. Oof, that guy. So do you think, do we bring Colton back, try him for another year? I don't know. Yeah. I've had a lot of frustration with Andrew Colton. So I'm, tough. I feel like he went on loan probably a season or two too late. Um, he should have gone a long time ago. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I'm kind of, I get irritated with him very pretty easily. Um, but do you think we give him another chance if he keeps up this form with USL? Right now? Hmm? Right now? No, just like in general. Season? Well, I just. Uh, yeah, but so USL is different to MLS. I mean, yeah, he hopefully. Well, I know. It, it, no, it has no, nothing. It has very just asking. Little- it has very little to do with Andrew Carlton and it has more to do with us already debating how do we get the players that we have that clearly are talented into a lineup. Like what, what's that going to get you whenever you've got everybody coming in healthy next year? Like no, when no, it has, my question year. is about Andrew Carlton. Do we bring him back? No. Why? Why would you? Well, he's no, no, loaned, no. Yeah, he's, he's on he's loan. For next season or uh, yeah. like, like, do we give you're him another about, season? Yeah, you're not talking about recalling him early. You're talking no, no, about no, no, him no, 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 after no. next year. Okay. Right, oh, okay. Exactly. I see what you're saying. In which do we, case, do yes. We I mean, do we give him to? Do we sell him to Indy Eleven? Or I mean, next next year, let's let's just say feasibly, you're going to lose Kubo Torres, right? If all things are good, Kubo Torres is going to be gone because he's in as a stopgap for Joseph Martinez, probably auditioning for his next job. Um, but if all Castro's, things are good, do we want Castro's to give Torres away? Yeah, Castro's gone. Barco hopefully is is sold, right? Uh, PD's hopefully sold for both the players and the club's sake, right? I mean, between profit and to get them to where they want to be. I mean, we're not we're we're looking at a, a team that probably has room for Andrew Carlton next year, and if he continues in the form that he's in, I mean, you say he's gone on loan two years too late. He's only twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's but still he, I didn't... twenty years old. He wasn't doing like uh, yeah, but I feel like that's a year or two or a year or two that he could have been developing further because he wasn't developing in Atlanta. He needed to get out of Atlanta. Like, it's finally he got out of Atlanta and look at look at what he's doing. I feel like last year at least he was just there was nothing for him. He was right. Uh, well, it also comes into yeah. Well, it also comes back to like how does he fit into a lineup? Like what good to do to have him if you you don't have any way to use him. And we're talking about a team that with a new manager, a healthy Joseph and all of these other factors, like 
I don't know how you use him. And if somebody's willing to offer you money for him at, you know, some sort of a profit, I don't think that you can walk away from that. It doesn't make any sense to me why you would bring him back with the ability that Atlanta has been able to find players and reload and retool to where we have the same conversation. I feel like year in and year out with the exception of this year with who's going to score goals. I, I think the sell on value part of it is really big, right? Cause obviously he's, you know, two, three years ago was, you know, a huge, was a huge name in terms of uh, young players and, you know, so uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't working out for him with, with, with the twos, for whatever reason, I mean, I, I tend to agree with Dan. I think just Atlanta, he needed a change of scenery. Um, mm-hmm. Atlanta wasn't working out. and uh, But but he is 20, so, you know, he'll be 21 next year. So he, whoever gets him is going to want him to pretty much go, I think, straight into their first team. So it could be just we're going to put him on loan, and, and whether it's a USL team or a lower MLS team comes and buys him, we're going to, you know, make some money for him. Like Dan mentioned before, he basically cost the team nothing. Uh, yeah. Being a homegrown player, so it would be a decent profit, even if the number isn't huge. Um, at the same, I feel time, like he's more valuable because he's getting play time and is being successful somewhere else. I don't know that yeah. he's necessarily going to have that same success in this lineup, is what I'm saying. Like he, he didn't have a place before. I don't know what his place is now, particularly with his competition, Joseph Martinez returning next year. And, and, I, and, and I feel it sucks to keep bringing this up, but you know him and the city of Atlanta. You know that you know he had multiple managers talk about his professionalism. You know, and and uh, I mean that's all that's all documented stuff. So, I mean, to me, like, yeah, I mean, what we're seeing pretty clearly is for him to be the best professional he can be, no matter what level it's at. It, it's not here because it's right. not like it's not like he wasn't playing USL every match last year. You know, but it, he looks he looks a a totally different player. Um, I guess a better question might be what's your goal with Carlton one way or the other, right? Like, mm -hmm. do you see Carlton as a potential future first team Atlanta United DP like striker player? No, or is he a a player that you're just hoping to make money on? Right. Yeah. And, and he's clearly found a successful role somewhere on loan and not in Atlanta on Atlanta United's roster. That seems to serve the purpose of what we're ultimately trying to get out of him, which is improving his stock in some way to where he can potentially sell him somebody. This is kind of the last year he fits into that young player uh, label. So it almost is like unless he was to come back for Atlanta next year and, and play well that his stock might never be higher than this. Right. I don't know. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure they've thought both both ways through, but it was good to put him out on loan regardless of what happens. That's interesting though, Dan, about saying it was two years too late. I can totally see what you're saying. Uh, yeah. Cause if he was performing like this two years ago, somewhere else, I mean, think where he could be right now. And the club I mean, will maybe, say, look, he was playing was still minutes with the twos, but yeah, but uh, clearly Atlanta, I mean, they surely they knew that Atlanta was just, it just, it wasn't working for him, you know, and no. uh, yeah. and so Indianapolis, there's nothing to do there, and you know it's a little better. So <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, it's true. It yeah, is. I mean, I hate not. talking about that. I really hate talking about that stuff. But it's not like it's not well documented, and that managers haven't. Both managers haven't called him out for lack of professionalism. So it's that that's that's a stain on his career, and it's we're not being you know TMZ level stuff here. That's a legitimate part of his career that teams are going to look at um, and may, maybe cost him a couple of years of development. I don't know, but uh, certainly he's going on loan and everything looks different. 
Yeah. I think we either loan him again or we just cut him. Like, or sell him if we can. Yeah, I mean, you might be able to get something for him. I mean, even get something that's better than nothing. Yeah. I honestly don't know how much time he has left on his contract either. I know. I don't know. I kind of feel like an empty roster slot is kind of something for him. Yeah. That's really fishy. Bring in Jonathan Gonzalez. (laughs) John gone. Dude, if we can get him. That's interesting because our, our DP strategy is always he well he would come in alone first that's as reported but if we buy him he a becomes DP. a DP oh for sure yeah. and so that would be the first time we would have a more defensive player as a DP on the squad maybe that's the time the fourth DP comes in but he's one uh, that's the rumor I was most excited about of all the guys that we've been linked with I mean I think mm-hmm. he all the stuff we're talking about in center midfield he brings so much of that together because he does so much of that. Well, you know, he's a, he's a good defender, but he can also cover ground. He can, he can pass and play make, you know, he's a, uh, he does so many of those things just as one player that we're asking the all, all two or three midfielders to do cohesively on the field. I think he's one that could, could really bring things together in terms of being able to control the tempo of games in the middle of the field. But I don't know what's, I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but that's the name I was most excited about. Uh, that's yeah. So I, I like. Go ahead, go Kevin. Ahead. No, you go ahead, Tim. No, I was just going to say I like the prospect of what he brings in terms of unlocking the rest of the team and being able to free the people in front of him to do, to do the things that they need to do. I, I that to me, I think is more is super exciting, but also exciting because he's arguably one of the top prospects in North America and and one of the best young players in North America. And to have him on our team, I think is a huge asset. Absolutely. And you know what? It's also a bit of a relief because the last uh, little bit, you know, the entire off season was like, do they realize that we don't really have a, like a good, like a uh, defensive midfielder. Like it was weird. Like there was, this was not acknowledged. So at least this is a bit of a relief. The club realizes this is an issue and maybe was going to fix it earlier. If not for, you know, pandemic, um, so that made me relieved that they at least because I, I was really worried, you know, looking at the personnel holes in the middle and being like, do we do we not recognize that this is a problem? So th- mm-hmm. that's a relief to me that the because I think the front office has a lot of trust to earn back uh, with with the fans because uh, which really I mean, what is that? I mean, it means something. But um, they I mean, for all the all the great stuff they did the first two years, I mean, it's been fuck up after fuck up the last two seasons. I mean, yeah. uh, there are tons of whole, I mean, we, we're sitting here talking about a team that, you know, obviously Joseph being gone is an issue, right? But we shouldn't be right. talking about there's no one that can run in behind the defense until you sign down. There's nobody that can control the midfield when you're trying to play a possession-based system. You know, so finally now you're linked with John gone. But in the off season and in the beginning of the season, it was like, why are you not recognizing this? So uh, it, no. it's a relief to me that the front office hopefully uh, does 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 indeed know what they're doing and just and is correcting some of the wrongs uh, of the last couple of years. So I think, um, well, no, damn it, it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> it's all hard things, on Zoom. <laughs> all things that you have right now as a constant, and you you can't rely on anything being guaranteed. You can't. This is just a little game. I want to frame it this way. You can't depend on a fourth DP slot. You have the three players as DPs currently. You can't, you know, depend on one of them necessarily being sold for profit and you have to make cuts and changes to get Gonzalez into this lineup. Who stays, who goes, who tells your story. 
in order to get Gonzalez in the lineup. Yeah. How do you how do you work it out with the three DPS that you have right now? Well, I mean, are you totally sure he's a DP and not a high level Tam? Let's say he is a DP for the okay. for the sake of argument. It's tough. I mean, it's PT, right? I mean, if you can't if you yeah. can't sell Barco, it's PT on some sort of loan or something like that, probably. Uh, unless someone, like someone would buy him, and he would have to go back to Argentina, I would guess. Uh, and I, I would see more likely a loan, probably a loan deal. Uh, but that, yeah, I mean, it, you can run into an issue there if he's a, if he's a DP level player. Uh, my hope, my hope, look initially was that he was going to be a TAM guy, like a high level, high level TAM guy. Well, yeah, you you wonder like how. With the new CBA and the allocation of TAM, the new allocation of TAM that we get every season, um, maybe because nobody really knows how much TAM we have. Maybe they're 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 projecting out into the future to see. Well, we will have enough TAM to pay this guy down, and there he's are only Tamets. Are there S Tamets oh. about yeah. how much we have? That's, That's the first thing you've said in like boy. three in like five minutes. Is that? <laughs> I'll go back. I'll go back on mute. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm. I would love him to be a Tam player. I have. A, I don't know how we do that right now, but yeah, I would. But it's got to be PT, right? I mean, if 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 Kevin's, yeah. you know, if if you have to, it, it has to. I mean, I think uh, you know, if it, that's assuming you can't sell Barco, why would you ever, you know, get rid of him? Volunt, you know, it's it has to be PT. It has to be PT. Unless we, I mean, unless we don't, unless Barco or Joseph gets sold, it has to be PT because he may, he's like makes the least of the three DPs. Um, but maybe they were looking, saying 2020 or the off season of 2020 or somewhere in 2021, that's when Barco would be sold and they're just projecting out. Um, then they could bring him in but maybe there is some other way that they can figure it out to get what do you work. Think, Tim? no i mean i agree it's got to be pd but i think the more logical thing is probably going to be barco i think barco is a more yeah. intriguing uh transfer for another team to to bring in i think that pd i think at this point is what 26 27 years old i think he's more of a wild card you don't know going from what you saw um in argentina and then seeing what inconsistency there's been in his play in Atlanta and MLS. It's kind of a more, more of a, a gamble than, I mean, Barco to an extent has had the same level of inconsistency or at least to, to some extent, but he's also a lot younger than PDA. Barco. You're going to take a lot less of a loss on than very true. Yeah. Pity. And you still free up the same space with the assumption that Barco wouldn't be far behind for a sale regardless. So he, you maybe lose a couple million on a future deal with Barco, but it's not like he's going to be here for another five years one way or the other. So you lose a, a couple million on a potential future deal. Maybe not. You never know how he plays. Uh, pity, you're most likely going to be taking a loss no matter what if you sell him sooner rather than later. So that's... I, I feel like pre-pandemic, it was almost a given that Barco was going to go even in the summer, if not, you know, after the season. Now it's because of so many, you know, factors. I think it's a little less certain. Um, yeah. And, and much, yeah, 
How much did we bring Barco in for? Was it eight? Uh, Pity was sixteen, right? Yeah. I'm Pity was sure something. Right? Was Pity, I'm pretty sure Barco was fifteen. He not. was, yeah, 12, fifteen, was 15 million dollars. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, and Pity was 16, 16, 5 or 16 something. Sixteen or seventeen. Yeah. I, I really, if we sell Barco, I really don't see us. I don't know. I see a break even, if that. Pre-pandemic, oh, yeah. oh, I would yeah. say, I would say you're gonna make, you're gonna make a pro. I mean, the the numbers you, were. It's not a loss, though. That's that's the point that yeah. I'm trying to make, and why I maybe align with Tim's argument more so than getting rid of pity is because no matter what you do with pity, unless you loan him, you're you're gonna be taking a loss. I don't even think you can break even with him right now with his performance and his tenure with Atlanta United versus Barco, who's not only had his play with Atlanta United but down in Argentina last summer as well. I think you've got a lot more going for him, not to mention his age, that you can at least sell him and break even and free up a slot for a player that maybe Pity has a run that you can get some sort of break even or profit on um, versus just taking a loss out the gate. You know, Because Barco isn't going to make that much more profit whenever you sell him in the future to offset as big a loss as you're going to have Pity, which you signed for more than what Barco's contract was. Uh, so I'd come at it a different way. I'd say Pity just plays out his contract. But the, the amount of profit you can make on Barco is going to be such a massive higher ceiling than what we would get on Pity. So I wouldn't. I would be hesitant. I'm not going to sell Barco for a break even because I know his potential is so much higher. I think you you keep him around. I don't think either of them get sold. I think they play the 2021 season. Um, and then I don't think you can sell Pity at a profit. I agree with you. So Pity. here's the issue is how much of a loss are you willing to take on Pity and why you go the Barco route for breaking even is because you're having to bank on matter. Barco's sale potentially like if you're looking at it to try to stay in the black you want barco sale to somehow offset and i know this team and the manager and ownership doesn't necessarily have to do that but just trying to think logistically you would hope that barco's sale would ac account for more than what a pity loss would be just dollars and cents i don't think it matters i think a barco break even hurts our concept of our club our brand more than um trying to break even like trying to trying to stay in the black i say you just take but a lot of pity but you think pity's loss somehow is okay for atlanta's brand like that doesn't make any yeah, sense. yeah because you're showing you're showing you can make and you know 10 times the amount of profit on barco that you're showing consistently that you can make 10 times the amount of players you're gonna make a miss you're gonna but have you, a miss but you really think that barco's profit's gonna be that high dan i think it could be in the 20 25 million if he has a really good season i and just think you hold maybe went aspects. for 22 is that right yeah and you're seeing maybe a little 24. bit of course correction with with the transfer market right now in europe too right. i mean i've seen so many reports of teams that are like we can't really buy right. unless we sell this year right. yeah and i don't think i don't think the past two years have been kind that kind to barco and pity to pump up their value even like Pre-pandemic, I think yeah, Barker was going to go, but it's—I still don't think we'd have got what he could really be. I think if you look at the clubs that he was linked with, you know, being linked with as big a club as Inter Milan, I think if he—that shows that that—that's his kind of ceiling, his value. If he plays the rest of the year very well, and again, the pandemic is such a wild card, right? I mean, because we just don't oh, yeah, know yeah. what teams are going to spend. But I—I I don't see. 
I mean, taking that part out of it, I don't see any reason to believe that if, if he plays the rest of the season out well, that he wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be, a, be a sold for a profit. Uh, so let me let me go a different route then with Barco because I think this is an interesting conversation as well. It's like how much of a loss are you willing to take on pity, but also how much profit are you expecting on Barco? And Dan, you mentioned twenty three. If you're if you're Darren Eels and you're in the negotiation at the negotiation table, what offer do you want to entertain for Barco? Um, I'd say that I'm you're not, willing to consider. I'm not getting out of bed for thirty million. I feel like I feel like the profit on Barco is more important than the loss on Pity. Um, what about you, Tim? What do you think for profit on Barco? So, what's interesting is how old I is just Miguel don't Amiro? see thirty million. I do not, not right now. So, so That's me, why yeah, you hold. No. So let me. Let no, me I don't. I, I mean, even just best case scenario, like that's just so crazy to me. Go ahead, Tim. Sorry. No, I was just going to say. Let me make the case for thirty million. I think that. Um, I think if you look at Miguel Amiron, he was sold for what twenty three, twenty four. No, is it twenty two? Is what you said, Dan? Twenty two. Yeah, twenty two. He was also three years older than Barco is at this point. So I think if you get Barco, like you're saying, maybe another half, even at this half a season, if he really shows out and he brings back to form the U20 World Cup uh, form or U21 World Cup, whatever it was that he was in before he got injured and then rolling into the pandemic and all that good stuff and playing under Frank DeBoer, whatever you want to talk about there. Um, I think there's a case to be made that it's going to be a profitable return on him but again, to Josh's point, pandemic, like I, it's such a wild card in the way that th- teams are spending right now. I, I, I just don't know what to expect. I mean, like if, if, if he's been linked with Inter, you know, and he plays the rest of the season out well, and a, that level of club comes in to buy him, I don't see any reason to believe it wouldn't be like a 30 million number. Uh, you know, obviously that requires, that is best case scenario. Uh, but w- with his age and the fact that he's, uh, you know, played well for the, at the international level for, for the, for the youth teams, you know, in, in the, in the, uh, for in the under 20 world cup and whatnot. Uh, but, but I don't, I mean, I, I think when you look at his age and the fact that he's been a pretty big prospect, his, you know, for several years now, and it's not like he's, uh, and he's played pretty well in Atlanta, all things considered. If he plays the rest of this season out well and inter comes in for him, why would he not be worth 30 million or more? I think it's I think it comes back to all the same stuff is like he's played pretty well all things considered like he's done these things that are not at the like I don't see what Barco's contribution to this team in his run of play has been that's been as integral or as big of a resume builder even at his best as what Miguel Almarones was for Atlanta United where he was in the spotlight with Joseph Martinez for his entire tenure with this team. And Barco's been here three years now, right? You know, and you take the pandemic out altogether. Like, I'm not saying he's playing bad by any means. And I think that you will get some sort of a profit, but I don't see his star shining as bright with Atlanta United as Miguel Almarones did during his run. Like he doesn't that's seem for sure. to be that. Like, that's what I'm saying is like, that is a marquee signing and you would expect a marquee player that I have not seen a showing with Barco under any system or management with this team and this lineup that has a club going. That's our fucking guy. I guess my, 
my, my thing with that is I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily just what determines value is how much you dominate a game as the guy. I think that Barco's game translates a little bit better where Barco can dominate a game or the way he dominates it now. If you look at Miguel Marone for Newcastle, he's a totally different player. You know, he's a work rate uh, role player type. I think Barco between his age and just, I think his game fits in a little bit better. You know, Miguel Amarona is running by people, you know, like in MLS. It was just, it was unfair. And so that made him stand out a little bit more, whereas Barco is a guy that's more intricate passing, wants to combine with teammates. You know, I think that game translates a little bit better to an inter than, say, Miguel Amarona's game with to an inter. Uh, because he's better off at a club like Newcastle, where you're, you're, you need, you want his work rate, you know, and uh, his ability to, to run by guys and break out in the counter. But I don't know that he's necessarily a guy that can dominate a game in Europe the way he did in MLS. I think Barco, in some ways, is, although we don't know it yet. It's based on potential, I and mean, he's still based on his youth. But th- that's so, where that's why I think his value is maybe even a little higher. So to that point, like, what's what would you? And this is just my ignorance like what would be an average salary for enter right now what would you say they're probably paying three three million i mean barco would be going in actually or like an average available. yeah like can we pull up an average signing like that's what i yeah. think we need you're to get transfer at here fees, like, or you're talking about contracts you mean the tra- transfer fees yeah well no 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 contracts the contract that's what yeah. we would be getting right like or no i guess we'd be getting the transfer fee transfer fee yeah yeah yeah. what's the average transfer fee sorry the transfer fee i mean they, they've spent quite a bit of money on transfers so yeah especially of late like as they've they've they're back on the the incline right i mean yes yeah. so um, i'll pull it up between lukaku i mean they're going to be probably sitting on a decent amount of money i'd imagine they're so, going to sell lataro martinez um for a hefty profit and then they're probably going to have a lot of money to spend. And I'm you not bet. saying like any of this to be contrarian. I'm just trying to set realistic expectations. Sure. So, I just want to so, make sure that that's so they've spent the 44 million already uh, on Akraf Hakimi from Real Madrid. Uh, 27. This is already 27 and right. a half for Barella from Cagliari. You know they, they've spent a lot of money. I mean they've spent they've spent quite a. Uh, I, I don't see any a club of that level. And again, pandemic. And uh, Tim mentioned Lukaku, which, you know, that's, what, 80-plus million. So they've spent quite a bit of money over the last uh, year or so. And, and, again, we're focusing on one club. But if it's that level of club, I think well, that's you, what I'm you talking about, right? It's possible. like yeah, – exactly. And that's that's the thing. It's like regardless of it's Inter or anybody else yeah. and, uh, over on that side is like – what level, like, wh- who are we comparing? Like, who do we need to compare Barco to for that level of signing, regardless of what club it goes to? And, like, what what does a $30 million price tag for Inter or somebody else really equate to to a player signing? Because that's what we're looking at here. Does Barco somehow fit the bill? Because right now, all Atlanta really has to go off of is the, the, the Miggy sale. And I don't know that maybe most of Atlanta's fan base, but myself not being as well versed in that. Just, I just don't know what to expect. And I don't personally see that value based off of the track record that Atlanta's had in those sales and what that dollar amount really equated to for a player contribution for Atlanta United. Well, I think with, so it's important to clarify this. If you're looking at Barco right now, if we sold him right now, there's no way we get 30 million. But if no. we hold on Barco and we and he has a 
great season with the potential that we've been sold on in a year potentially he does have that sort of value because then he's only going to be what 20 and but again like how good of a season does he have to have that's what i'm trying to get to is like i, I know that it's the pandemic and all that but mm -hmm. like barco's been here two years he's had a as we've all said he's had a great showing all things considered is that good enough for 30 million like what we've seen no, out of no. him so far well, does he well, have to be substantially better like how much better does he have to be and can he get well there i think you've already player? seen it i think you the, the the i think the the first what was it two three matches before the break you saw a brilliant i mean there's some brilliant brilliant performances oh absolutely from him. absolutely and i and so i i think i mean we haven't seen between injuries and youth and and whatnot we haven't seen it consistently enough but we have seen it uh and and certainly this would be the time it would make sense for it to kind of come out would be the end of this season now that he's you know a seasoned professional that we see that side of barco and 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 have his value skyrocket and what does that take from a team standpoint? Do you have to build the team around that to get that kind of a showing? Like that's the other side of that, right? Well, I, do you have to build the team? I mean, I think it's almost, he just can, that's the thing is I don't think he has to, the team has to be built around him for his value to be 30 million. I, I think he's more of a guy that fits into a role uh, and plays it very, very well. Um, but, it, but you're right. I mean, I think at the same, you know, you would almost say if there was a guy that's going to take a game by the scruff of the neck, just based on the uh, their highlights, it would be PT Martinez, right? Or Joseph Martinez. Barco is more of a guy that completes path. You know, he does a lot of, yeah. he does a lot of different things. Oh, absolutely. So I don't think he has to be dominate matches the way Miguel Amiron is to, to be seen as a very valuable piece. I think it is more likely he slides into the same role that he would play for Atlanta and play it well for an inter, whereas Miguel Amiron goes from dominating games to, you know, a great role player in Europe. I, I just think Barco's game he plays now translates more to Europe than Amiron's game in MLS. Okay. But I see, I, and, and again, there's so, I, this is one of the things I'm fascinated to watch and the pandemic throws a curveball oh, yeah. into it. Is, Absolutely. Is, what is Barco going to be worth? You know, because we don't know there, like you said, Kev, there's no, precedent for this from atlanta united we can kind of look at Amiron, but again he's a little older you know his role's a little well, different look at a precedent from mls like that's the other side of this yeah, good like, point. Hey, got a fucking marquee signing with miggy and you've got to have another eight million lumped on top of that for a player that hasn't had nearly that kind of performance so it's like that's where i'm getting to here with all this it's and like, that's what the european club yeah exactly like how yeah. much better does he have to be because the league as a whole has not produced that level of talent and Sure, he looks great and he looks serviceable, but with against what kind, what level of competition? Right, in, right. In what's deemed or perceived as a lower level league, like how what what's a realistic expectation? Personally, I think thirty may be a little mm -hmm. unfounded, just based on all of these compounding factors. It's not just Barco's performance; it's the league's performance and the league's sales and transfer fees. And yes, that is the trajectory that we want to see MLS heading in. And you hope that Atlanta United is setting that trend in a positive way, but two years removed from a Miggy signing with a a pandemic thrown into the mix, I'm not buying it right now. That's just me personally. And it's totally it's fair to point. It's not, it's not to say it's not possible, but what needs to happen for that to be possible? I just don't see the pathway there. Besides, okay, a, a big club with a lot with a with a deep purse that has signed other players for that price tag. 
So I see 2018, 12 appearance, 12, um, 19 appearances, four goals, two assists. 2019, 14 appearances, four goals, three assists. That is not, those are not great numbers. Well, oh. if, you, if you consider him to be a goal-scoring player, I mean, if you look at his chances created and his dribbles and his fouls won, I just don't think he's that type of player. I mean, I mean, uh, and it's but not terrible. I, I mean, four, four and three and 14 is not no, terrible. No. For, uh, I don't, I've just, I, I have not, I refuse to believe that we have seen a consistently good Barco. I, oh, that's I unquestionable. don't think we've seen that. So you agreed. Agreed. Right, but this is what I'm talking about. You're talking about selling him now. I'm talking about the potential that he'd have when he doesn't have a Miguel Almoron in front of him, when he doesn't have a Frank De Boer telling them, just figure it out by yourself, and has some structure behind him where he can, and like you said last time, Kev, if he can bring that leadership in and be a leader in the team, that elevates him, you know, way up. Absolutely, so, but we're talking about potential here, but based on what? Right. Like, again, it's like we don't know. Well, like, we can't tell what the future is going to bring. It's just a huge risk, and yes, you have a potential huge reward at the end of it, but it's like based on other comparable sightings that you would hope that you're bringing in this level of money, you're going to have this back and forth, and, and how realistic is it to have another $8 million on top of a marquee transfer that just happened two years ago? You know, And yes, his potential for performance is a lot higher, but will that garner that extra $8 million from a club that hasn't been paying that to previous league signees? You know what I mean? Like It's all of yeah. those different factors that it's like – you better be really fucking good and you're expecting a hell of a lot. And I'm not saying that he's not capable of doing that, but there's a lot of other question marks around this team. That's going to have a new manager that he's going to have to fall in line with and figure out a new system and figure out all these parts and pieces. And all the while this age for this player, that's really young now keeps fucking ticking and keeps racking up. And before you know it, he's not 20 years old anymore. He's more like 25 and he's back at that Miggy age that we're all talking about that he's so well ahead of right now because of just the way it's all sort of set in motion. Well, I mean, that's, that's the whole point, isn't it? I mean, you, that's the risk, you know, that's, right. if you can foresee that you should play the stock market. <laughs> You know, I mean, but again, it goes back to like, are you do you build a team around him to make sure that that risk at least has a shot? Are you going to hope that a subpar performance, even at best, you know, so even at best with the role that he's been playing, your stats were what four goals and eight assists? What was it? Four goals and ten assists? I forget what it was three, four and three. Okay, so four and three. So let's say you you triple it. You're looking at 12 goals and and nine assists. Is that a 30 million dollar player? I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. At, at his yeah. age, yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. But to play devil's advocate... But do I you mean, see that happening next year? I don't know. I mean, if you look at Dan's stat, if he plays 30 games, then he's giving you 10... Then he's going to give you, like, 10 and 6. I mean, he's been injured. He's He's been... You know, he oh, was absolutely. in uh, the, at the U-20 World Cup. So, mm -hmm. I mean, he, he's... he. There's some contextual stuff where that has... And it's you're right. I mean, he's never been consistently great but he's been great a good amount. And there's a lot of contextual stuff that's prevented him from being consistent from injuries uh, to the U20 World Cup to pandemic. Mm -hmm. So it, uh, to his first season where I think he was very young and obviously, as we know, and, and had to play behind Miguel Almiron. Um, 
And uh, so, I mean, I think it's not like he's been playing whole seasons. There's been a lot of context where he's missed time. That's, that's, I think hurt his ability to be consistent. Um, But I, I, to me, I've seen enough of him and there's enough, you know, there's enough, there's some very good statistical data on him aside from the kind of average, if we want to call it that goals and assist numbers. So, I mean, I think there, the, the, the foundation is there, and if he can play three or four really good, I don't how how many games are we left in the fucking season? I don't know, but you know, <laughs> season can, a block. yeah, whatever. <laughs> if if he can finish out the season the way that he played those opening matches uh, before we shut down, I, I think his I think his value when you put everything together uh, that I've just mentioned, and he finally has a consistent stretch. I think there's a team out there that might be willing to spend that sort of money on him. And I certainly think Atlanta United will be asking for that type of transfer fee. That yeah, 30, 30 ish number that you mentioned. That's why I don't think we will be selling him. Hmm. Like I feel like the, if we have a normal season <laughs> next season, he needs that extra season to get more profit. But to Kevin's point, then if he, if he doesn't have a good season and then he's 21 and there's a big difference between. I mean, it seems weird, but there's a big difference between 2021 in terms of buying and potential. Mm-hmm. Then you might take a huge loss, you know. Where you know, so uh, it's 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 an interest. I mean, this is this is what the club is. Uh, they have to succeed at this these types of transactions to, as well, you were saying earlier, Dan, to to cement their brand of developing young players and sending them on. I feel. I mean, that's that's the whole that's the whole game, though, isn't it? I mean, you have to take those risks. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to see, I mean, uh, PT was a risk. Barco was a risk and uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Tim devil's advocate. I know you got it. (laughs) I was just going to say, if I'm one of those European squads um, and I want Barco, one of the first things I would say is, well, Alfonso Davies was 13 and a half million us dollars. Tyler Adams was 2 million us dollars. And those are two absolute stud players, two of the better young players in Bundesliga right now. I mean, you're looking at Alfonso Davies, who just skyrocketed his his stock. Potentially right now, you're looking at him as a top five left back in the world, right? I mean, all things considered. Although it's not like this was expected. But yeah, I mean, yeah. No, but, I mean, but you look at him, I mean, you looked at we, everybody that watched MLS knew the potential that Alfonso Davies had, right? Like he was Absolutely. an insane prospect at 18 or 17 years old, I think, whenever he secured the transfer over to Bayern Munich. And to still think that that still only garnered a 13.5 million US dollar transfer fee. Granted, Miguel Almiron, we did end up getting, you know, we did some pretty pretty smooth business to get 22 million uh, out of, out of that transfer. But, and and maybe you look at the Tyler Adams thing and maybe that's an insider trading type thing, right? Where, you know, yeah, that's awful. I would look more at the Davies one, I think. Uh, I mean, but it's at the same time, Tim, it's not like, I mean, Bayern, I, I was not expecting him to go to a Bayern level club. You know, I think that was almost shrewd business from them as opposed to him being, uh, I, I, in some, I mean, in some ways, I think Barco's name is bigger than Davies's was before he transferred with with bigger clubs. Certainly, certainly, that's not the case anymore. And I could see the argument either way. But it's not like he. I, I, personally, I was surprised that he went to a club level of Bayern Munich, and I think they realized the potential, mm-hmm. and then they could kind of get him on the cheap uh, for their standards, at least. 
So yeah, yeah. but they, they did the same thing with Chris Richards too, right? A, a relative unknown center back, U.S. center back that's going to be playing. He's been playing for them recently, right? In yeah, he got on at the end of Bundesliga. He played uh, some minutes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, maybe that speaks more more to uh, what Rumeneg is doing over there than it than it does to what MLS really is is valued at around the world. I mean, it's interesting. I it's yeah. so. I mean, you're just starting to see these transfers coming out of the league, and it's almost like. We might look back on the Alfonso Davies transfer and Vancouver will be like, what were we doing? You know, like yeah, maybe we yeah. could have gotten more, uh, but we're just starting to see these players, you know, these good young players move on and the way they perform. I mean, certainly Alfonso Davies helps Barco's value in an indirect way. Sure, you can absolutely. point to him as a young player going from MLS and saying, look, you know, our quality of play is good enough. You know what they can. They and can I think Nicky's go there too. Develop. I think it's all about precedence and yeah, trajectory right. mm-hmm. and trends. But again, it's like how big are those steps on that trend and on that upward trajectory? Is it a one or two million dollar jump, or is it a ten to twelve million dollar jump in between those transfers and those signings? And so that's where I think there's going to just be a lot of this insider trading to Tim's point that's going to yeah. have to take place to try to get that regardless of what performance takes place on the field. Yeah. I have, I offer, I think what Barco can take advantage of is because he has a bigger black, black, he has a bigger platform. He had a bigger platform than Alfonso Davis and Tyler Adams, just because he's on the Argentinian team. And because, and yeah. quite frankly, because he's Argentinian, like if Alfonso Davies, that's a great point. If yeah. Alfonso Davies was Brazilian, he would oh. be like forty-five million. That's a really rid- great point, and it's ridiculous. And I think, and what what I love about Christian Pulisic is he made that he was at Dortmund, and he made that transition from Dortmund to was sixty-four. Yeah. If he if Pulisic was showing the same level, and he went for an MLS team. To Chelsea, it would be probably twenty. That's a great point. Or to your point, if if Pulisic was Brazilian, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hundred million. But again, I mean, Atlanta's kind of paying the the cost of uh, business right now with pity to that same point, right? It's like you pay them all this money to see some performance just based on the region. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, silly season is an effect. A, A guy that I've never heard of, Alfonso Davies' teammate from Canada. Uh, Jonathan David just got sold to Lille for 30 million euro. So he went from playing in the Belgian league for Ghent, I think. He's a forward, right. yeah. Yeah. He's 20 years old. So it's not like he's an 18 mil- or 18 year old uh, super prospect, right? He's a 20 year old. He, he produced a lot at Ghent, I guess. And, um, but I mean, I don't know. I never know what to think of the transfer market. It's so weird. And Belgium's yeah, an established yeah. league. Belgium's an established league where players have come out and performed. So, you know, yeah. you can just say, yeah, he's performing. He's a highly thought of 20-year-old player. You're going to pay $30 million. You can't really do that yet at an MLS. Yeah. yeah. Right. 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 And you hope like, that we continue to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I Brendan mean, Aronson. We'll see what happens with Brendan Aronson and, and the like in, in, in MLS. Paxton Pomacall. Yeah, yeah, a lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah. So six, we got to wrap up here. We've already gone way over. Um, <laughs> rightfully so, though. It's been a great discussion. Um, six games left. Uh, next game this Saturday against Nashville, right? Um, six games left. I know we talked last week about what our predictions were for the remainder of the season. Um, 
we've only gotten six date six games slated uh of whatever that remaining amount is but we know we at least have six games what do you expect to see out of atlanta how many points do you see them taking Oof. home out of those six games uh i'll say 10 so 10 yeah i'll say yeah uh, three wins and a draw um I like that yeah i mean it's it's t- i mean it, it's nice to be playing these three teams i mean i know orlando played well uh uh, at MLS is back, but they're still Orlando and then Nashville uh, haven't looked good. And then uh, inter Miami have problems similar to Atlanta United coming off the back yeah. of the tournament. So there's, there's a potential there. If the team is out there and enjoying themselves that they could catch lightning in a bottle and, and really catch form. But I kind of fall in between. I think it's going to be a successful stretch. Uh, but yeah, I like 10 points, three wins in a draw. Okay. Well, no losses mean. to Orlando. No. I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic. And oh! Say 12 well, to now 15. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, 12 to 15? You're taking a point range? I didn't know I could do that. You got to validate Marco's <laughs> sale can't. now. So you, gotta, you, can't, <laughs> you can't come off of what you were predicting last week for the points on the remainder of the season after talking up Barco so much. You got to start seeing results to get that transfer fee. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I got to get goals. Yeah. I got to get goals. <laughs> What do you think, Tim? Um, it, you know, the optimist in me wonders if we drop more than four points. Um, and I think those four would be to Orlando. I don't know. I look at Nashville. Um, Nashville is like it's the island of misfit toys. Like if you look at their lineup, it's kind of crazy. Like it's it's a bunch of guys that had good runs at different MLS teams, and. I, if I'm looking at the lineup right from last night, which I didn't watch the game, Walker Zimmerman was playing left back. Like that's just, that, that seems odd to me, but um, I think we take, po- I think we take six points from Nashville. I think we take six points from Miami. Orlando's uh, the question mark to me. Um, and I, and I think, oh, fuck. we've never 13. lost. Uh, what's that? 13? I say 13. Yeah, I think we lose to Orlando this year. I, I think so too. Yeah, one I, and I, one to Atlanta. I'm going with 13. Yeah. I think we take. I think we take a point in Atlanta, and then we lose down in Orlando. But I, I think, think we the take, same. I think we. I think we have a really. We have our. We have a good schedule. I think for yeah. Uh, oh yeah, where we're yeah. At. especially when that's what Atlanta needs right now is <laughs> something yeah. to ease us back into regular play. <laughs> I mean, Miami are in crisis too, you know? I mean, like, oh, yeah. it's the, so that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's not bad. So what do you think? Uh, does everybody think in a win this weekend? Hey, we pl- we're playing Nashville, right? Um, I think it will. I think Nashville will probably hold us close. Um, but I am expecting us to win yeah. based on – what the two weeks that glass has had with the team <laughs> based on nothing, <laughs> but I agree based, on, I mean, based on nothing. I think the, uh, yeah. the good, the good thing is I don't think Nashville really has anything. They have no idea what to prepare for. So I think that's the way all of these teams are going to be yeah, right now true. with Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that goes into our favor and having played, have they played three games in a row against da- uh, FC Dallas and FC Dallas have not, put together a good string of performances either so um i don't know we'll we'll see 
Yeah, we'll, we'll see. There's still a whole season that Nashville need to play. Um, you can only you can only predict against what we've seen, and it's been a largely pretty defensive team. Yeah. What do you think, Tim? Win this weekend? Yeah, I think so. And then just to point out, Mike Mike German, I think is saying not true in terms of. I think my comment about Walker Zimmerman. I think the the app I'm using has the lineup all screwed up, which is. Anyway, I, I guess he was playing center back, which makes a lot more sense. But I, I think I think we end up winning that game. Score prediction? I'd say like a two-one. What about you, Josh? I'll say one-one nil Atlanta. I like it. Who's going to get? I it? like I like our defense. I mean, I think that's the one part that you can look at. You mentioned this earlier, Kevin. You know, obviously we're going to jump all over all the holes, but I think it's a decent. Uh, decent group of center backs, you know. I mean, I, I, I think, I think the defense is pretty good. I don't see any reason that uh, you can't lock down Nashville. You just got to find a way to score goals. Who's gonna get the one? <laughs> I have no fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right, Miles Robinson. <laughs> yeah, some set piece. Yeah, I like it. Uh... Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm gonna say. Uh, how about how about uh, let, let's say Jurgen Dunn. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Does Kubo Suarez get the start on Saturday? Do you think he has to? Surely, unless you false nine again, right? I mean, uh, surely. I don't think so. Not this soon. Not this soon. Just I, think Kevin said, I think he plays. Just because Kevin says no, I'm going to say yes. Of course you will. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we, I think we get a transfer fee of eleven billion for him at the end of the season. <laughs> going to drive his value up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure he's only on a six-month contract. <laughs> six months, six million worth it. Uh, I say a win as well, one nil, and I think our boy George Bellow doesn't <laughs> does not hit the crossbar this outing and actually slots it home. I hope he does. He's like our most dangerous attacking player in Orlando. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He's the one that would put a shot on free. Yeah. I'm taking it. Him and Castro, that first game, take away Castro's like blunders. He had a lot of good chances. Well, I mean, he plenty of chances, just nothing on free. Well, no, there's something to be said about positioning, right? It's just he, he wasn't True. on he wasn't on target that night. Pity put a free kick on frame. So, yeah, when yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it was against Cincinnati. It went straight, straight into the Cooper. Clear the yeah, yeah. It was a good shot. Sure. was on frame. What yeah. is this? Ron, Ron, Ron Pena is uh, wanting to join the stream. Wanting <laughs> 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 to a new fighter has entered. A new challenger has entered. Oh man! All right. Thank you guys so much, uh, Josh. You guys still doing Mouths of the South weekly? Or are you guys doing bi-weekly now? How are you guys running? Yeah, we're doing it weekly. We'll we'll record on Wednesday this week and we'll uh you know, we'll just go hard on the match and preview it and uh Yeah, I mean it's I, no one knows what to expect. I mean it's 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 uh, to to be honest, it's kind of fun. You know, Absolutely. I, 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 yeah, we're going to see what happens. It's like the rest of the world right now, right? <laughs> yeah, it's <a> great fun. <laughs> just, <laughs> just sit back and watch it burn. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Uh, so where can the people find you at? You can find me on Twitter at JoshB914. And Mouse of the South is... Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, at M-O-T-S podcast. You can find us on Twitter, yes. Probably should have plugged the podcast, not me. Nah, that's fine. Eric sorry, got I've never had it last one. week. <laughs> we got enough of Eric last week. Oh, I'm sure. One week is enough. 
All right, Dan, what about you? I uh, can find me at Dan JMS. I'm not really doing anything. <laughs> what about you, Tim? Um, first, we only had one score prediction in the trap. It was Elliot Beaven, 3 0 Atlanta. All um, right, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take that too. I have very three very own good. goals. Yeah, three. three. <laughs> <laughs> Who scores? Uh, Walker Anibaba, Zimmerman. I, th- I think Walker Zimmerman, uh, Anibaba gets definitely one. Definitely Anibaba. <laughs> and then Daniel Lovitz with with the third to, to kind of seal the game. <laughs> no, John Lovitz scores the third. Yeah. He comes in and, and how? Um, <laughs> you can find me at Tim Herb. Uh, just I'm. Uh, on instagram that's it find me as well at the architect that said the underscore arc number one t-e-c-t collectively at home before dark that's before spelled b and the number four be sure to leave us a rating or review on itunes to hear it read aloud on the show been a few weeks since we've had that and by a few weeks i mean a few months so be sure to do that at the very least tell a friend we'll see you next week as always be home before dark snip 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 those guitar strings Oh, I thought you were talking snip, about snap, the snip, Yeah, I thought this was a vasectomy <laughs> talk. Coming God from Dan, Dan it's something on my mind. Coming from Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.